1: Like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore
2: NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming a Monday afternoon. It's December 12th. We have a Wolves Blazers rematch tonight. I know some of you might be listening to this after the Blazers game on Tuesday morning. So we'll try and make this episode. We're going to take some, some sound from what Chris Pyle and I gathered at Wolves shoot-around this morning before the second Blazers matchup. We're going to try and make this a little bit. A uh, bigger picture about some stats, some numbers, some trends we've seen f- change or not change from the 21 games with Cat versus now the five games they've played without Cat. I think those trends will probably hold if we add a sixth game to that sample. But like I said, I'm here with Chris Hine from the Star Tribune, Kyle Tige from Score North and from this podcast. How you guys doing? Monday morning.
3: Doing all right. I, I, it's fun to see you with the board here. Looks like we're about to make some beats, too. <laughs> uh, got a, like a drum pad or something going on I here. Could probably play something for you. What, what <laughs> you oh, there we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, super-sized pod. Kyle's here.
2: I know. This, is, this uh, is probably our first triple pod, I think, at least of this, of this season. How are you
4: doing, Kyle? I'm hungry, but I'm doing well. Thanks sure. for having me on again. This is just a lot of Kyle talk, so I'm going to let Chris actually say smart things today but uh no it's a I've we said this before but I really like these kind of two game series Mm -hmm. because it's like a mini playoff series in the season right Mm -hmm. where you saw two teams go at it and then they'll make adjustments in real time and now you'll I mean you know they were as Ant we'll get into but as Ant said they got cooked by Portland's backcourt I'm sure that'll be an adjustment tonight as well as how many times they allow uh Damian Lillard to get to the free throw line so a cool little halftime intermission here between game one and game two. Yeah, we did get the chance to talk to Anthony Edwards
2: and Austin Rivers at at Wolves Shoot around here. Like I said, maybe we'll sprinkle in a couple um, clips from that, but we want to sort of focus on some bigger trends with this team. And let's just, I guess, start on the offensive side. Oh, of Let's start with the overall numbers, right? Mm-hmm. This is Cat time versus no Cat time. Obviously, they're 10 and 11 when, when Cat was playing. They're now 3 and 2 as we record this. Um, without Cat, in the Cat time, they were 19th on offense. Without Cat, they've been 12th on offense. Defensively, they were 14th with Cat, 9th on defense. Now, overall, just net rating, 18th um, with Cat, 10th without them. So we have seen the numbers take a step forward. It's been uh, a small sample size. So kind of want to get into what is behind those numbers. And, and you know some of these things are that the three of us have been talking about here on the podcast but this is a good time I think to sort of you know we've started to have a little bit of time without cat work, starting to understand that identity thing that we were talking about so long so some of these numbers uh, will will get into that and just to sort of start running through a, a couple of these I think a, a main one that we've seen offensively right Chris is the is the shift in in three point frequency going down and, and that being such a different trend from last season, that's where they were such a high, such a high volume team. We've been asking about this to the players and coaches for a while. Now there is not really, you back me up here, like an energy of that's something they're concerned about at all. Right. Right.
3: There's no urgency to be like, we got to get our volume of three point attempts up. And I remember, you know, kind of back when, when, the roses regime took over. That was like, we just got to start putting up more threes. Like that was like the focus of like what they were going to do on offense. There is no such urgency here. I think they, they recognize that look they're they're a team now that is more living in the paint and at the rim than they were a season ago because Rudy Gobert is here now and they have to change the way they're playing. Uh, We talked with Ant uh, about that today Ant, his three point numbers overall, attempts are down. His two point attempts are up this season, driving more to the basket, which is what they want him to do. Um, He's not concerned about getting three pointers up for the sake of getting them up. Um, Nobody really seems to be. This is going to be part of this team's identity now, from going from number one in attempts to what were they, 14th, 15th, something like that. Uh, Yeah,
2: they're right. Yeah. So they, with Carl, Mm-hmm. It was still relatively low. It was 12th. It would have been less than yeah. we expected after right. coming off of last season, right? Where they, mm. Kyle, they were, there was such a high volume team. It's, it's dropped now to, to 24th in this no Carl time. So, I mean, they're literally one of the lowest volume yeah. three point shooting teams right now in this iteration of it. But as we've, Kyle, we've been talking about some of these, they've been making up for it elsewhere, right? Right. And they've been an effective team in, overall like effective field goal percentage which factors in twos right. and threes all season they have been
3: they're ninth in that yeah. with carl i was surprised it's to see the... how, how good so they were at effective field goal percentage because they're good at the rim team yeah yeah they've been much better at the rim. Um you would you would think with Ant and that makes sense too. Like we yeah. thought with Ant with time he would get better at the rim, and I think he has. Mm-hmm. Um, Rudy has traditionally had one of the highest field goal percentages in the league. You know, we had the and more so when when he doesn't convert at the rim, it's not because he missed a shot; it's because he mishandles a pass and it's yeah. a turnover and not a missed shot. That is like, that's a good so, point. So yeah. I'm kind of playing through that. I'm like, okay, now I'm not as surprised that the effective field goal percentage is that high. Mm-hmm. Um, because he usually if he gets the ball he's gonna make it yep um so yeah that intuitively that makes sense um I, I do wonder we did ask Finch about that I, I asked him before the the Portland game about that and he did he did kind of give a, a comment he's like look the other night at utah we, we hit like our first eight of nine shots whatever it was and they yeah. hit five threes and all of us, you know it's just it's a one-point game it's like it's the math right mm-hmm. it's that's why you take a lot of three-pointers um so i i do wonder if he's still in the back of his mind like thinking we got to find a way to get more threes um but at the same time they have been playing well on this stretch and how much do you want to mess with what's been kind of working here the last five games.
4: Yeah, I mean, the two-big experiment was was an experiment, right? Like having two bigs, but you've seen other teams still have two tall players on the court at the same time. But going away from math a little bit is a whole other experiment, right? To try to be like, how can we stay competitive in these games without... I mean, some of these teams just shoot a high volume of threes, and that's just the way they make up for a lot of their other... Flaws, whether it be their transition defense, their inability to rebound. Um, I, I mean, I guess I'll throw it back to you guys. You guys are smarter than me, but I do think being twenty fourth in the league in threes attempted is concerning.
2: Yeah, but but it is interesting that I I think Chris, you're right to point out that that Finch brought that up. But we've been asking about the player, asking the players about it too, Mm -hmm. and and. They're just focused on on kind of taking good shots. Let's play this clip from from Austin Rivers at shootaround this morning.
3: Generating more attempts inside near the rim, fewer attempts outside three point range. Or something Finch has talked about. You know, maybe trying to amp up the three point volume. But do you try not to consciously really think about like, oh, we need to take more threes as a team, yeah. or and it, you just kind of just
1: like... yeah. As a player, I don't think you ever think. As a player, you always think thinking best shot available. You know, what I mean, when you're out there. I'm not thinking all right, I should shoot more threes because we need to shoot threes. Like, I'm going to take the best shot I have that I feel most comfortable with. Um, but, yeah, I would love to shoot more threes. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? I'll take – I'll. you know, I'm getting like one a game right now. I'll take about four or five threes if you all want me to, no problem. But, no, yeah, I think uh, – again, I think us getting stops and running out and transition will lead to more threes too. You know, that's that's how we get a lot of threes. D'Lo has a really good step-up three. You know, and you know, guys driving and kicking. Us just getting to the paint and kicking more. I think um, that drive and kick, most teams only play that first two drives, man. You know what I mean? And then after that, like, the clock kind of, like, just goes out for a lot of players. Like, guys will play the first, like, 10, 12 seconds of defense on that shot clock. But teams that can drive and kick twice, like, you won't get a good shot more times, you know? So, so Kyle, you, you kind of hear that where it's like they are focused on just
2: taking good shots, right? They don't want to force anything to be something else. They'd like to more naturally, right, find d-low and transition for the for those pull up threes some of these other areas where it comes natural to boost the three-point volume rather than trying to force it. and that makes sense to me because they just aren't making that many right
4: yeah and i also just thought his little that little nugget about like deep players only playing defense for like 10 to 12 seconds into a shot clock was something to just kind of stash in my brain and think about later but for a team that does a lot of iso like it makes sense to just continuously you know do the finch system and trust the pass and do all these things and get good shots, even if it's late in the shot clock. But yeah, uh, to his to his point, these guys aren't going out there. You're like bad tanking teams sometimes. Like, right? we're just going to take 53s. Yeah, Nothing else yeah. matters on the whiteboard tonight. It's just the one quota you all have to hit before the showers is we have to take 53s of the team. That's not right. what they're doing. And that's probably good, right, that they're not overthinking it. But to Chris's point, you do wonder if Finch is like, okay, we got to clear up some of this other stuff, but I really want to get us... Twenty fourth isn't going to work.
2: Yeah, and then Chris, in addition to the the three pointers not being here again, like, I'm not only trying to to highlight the negative things here. This is mostly to show. I, I
3: wouldn't even say it's negative. It's yeah. just a, a fact of who they are right exactly. now. It's not that it's negative. This one will be though the
2: turnovers, yes. right? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and so it, it's kind of pointing to ways in which if you clean these, if you clean up the turnovers, if you're able to effectively boost the three point percentage, there is no reason. To believe that this can't be a top 10 top five offense even with what they're doing they are shooting all year cat no cat they have been an overall shooting team twos and threes together top 10 in that mm-hmm. so what's driving them down is it isn't even really the threes it is it is the turnovers and when i looked up the the non-cat numbers i mean turnovers bad at the beginning of the season they were 24th in the league when cat went down in turnover frequency they're dead last over the last two weeks yeah that that carl has has missed. so that that hasn't improved. Do you have any thing like theories as to why that is happening? <laughs>
3: it's a good It's a good question. Uh, well, first of all, I think just in general, they can be just careless with the ball that's gone back a few years with some of these guys, D-Lo, uh, and you know there's just careless moments in a game. yeah, that's gonna happen um i actually I actually think that the that's Saturday's game was almost in a way the exception that proves the rule where they didn't have a high number of turnovers Mm -hmm. Saturday night. What what was it, 13? I think that that, which was pretty good for them.
2: Rudy Rudy actually said that he was like, yeah, he's like that. That's good, particularly considering what we've right, been right, normally yeah. we've been normally do it.
3: And I, I also to what I was saying before. I, I'm thinking back in my mind to Saturday night, and that was to me, to my mind, the best night that Rudy had just catching the ball. Sure, I can't recall more than maybe one or two instances where he mishandled a pass, mm-hmm. and so. I think that's part of it. That's it, progress. I think I think he had one of his best games just catching the ball and and not committing a turnover or not having a possession end in a turnover no matter who gets credited with with that turnover. Yeah. And so I think that's that's been part of it too is just finding that finding the way to get him the ball in cleaner, better ways. And they only had thirteen turnovers as a result. They lose the game. It's best but... turnover game, offensive turnover game. Of, the, of season. the season. Yeah.
2: Um, mm-hmm. and, and and that came in a loss too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, looking at some of these other turnover
4: games, they were, you know, they're predominantly mm-hmm. wins. What have you seen there, Kyle? Well, I was just going back to, to Chris's point about um, I just had, had a total brain malfunction that I was thinking about food for a second. No, uh, no, I mean this, this is the whole removing Carl thing. You I was thinking about what you and I talked about late Saturday night. Just more guys now, I mean they're 30th since Carl's out, right? They're thirtieth in turnovers just everyone else is kind of having to step up into more of a playmaking role. You've seen Kyle Anderson enter the fray here. Um, I see, you know, Dilo had five turnovers in a game where they only had 13. It reminds me of, like, his risk quote earlier this week where he was just like, you know, I I like to take risks. Sometimes that evolves into five turnovers and three assists. Um, But it is an interesting thing. And like Chris said, one of their better games of the season where they don't really turn the ball over and they still lose the game. So that kind of flies in the face of things I've been saying. It's like, isn't turning the ball over something that's pretty easy to ad- address? It's just, fo- we're not focusing on trying to take threes. We're focusing on taking good shots. But can't you focus on, like, be smarter with the basketball? See the pass before you make it, that type of stuff. So I, I wonder if, um,
2: I mean, if it's about familiarity. Like, I I, yeah. I think the beginning of the season, turnovers were particularly terrible in the first five games of the season, right? And not that it improved in a major way, but it, it, I, I think oftentimes like lack of effort or tur- what appears to be lack of effort or boneheaded mistakes is oftentimes a product of not knowing where your teammates are going to be. Yeah. You know, and that that's kind of been something with this team this, this whole season. And now I, I really do view this non cap group as a new,
3: as a new group, as, as yeah. a new
2: team. So a lack of familiarity there now, Going off of this theory, it might not improve a ton mm-hmm. over 5, 10 more games. But I do think it will move up in more of a, of a positive direction. Today's show is sponsored by Falling Knife Brewing Company, located in northeast Minneapolis. And I've been telling you about Falling Knife's tap room all season. as a place to go to check out Wolves games on Wolf game nights. They have the projector screen where they have the Wolves game playing. They got the sound on in there. It's been a place that Wolves fans are gathering to go watch games this season. And we want to continue to, you know, to push you to check out the tap room for a game night if you haven't done that yet. But also want to remind you that you can go to Falling Knife on on nights or days that that the Wolves are not playing. It's a good place to go with coworkers for happy hours. They, at Falling Knife, have actually expanded their, their weekday hours Monday through Thursday. They're now opening at 3 p.m., and on Fridays, they're opening at 2 p.m. So if you're, you know, busy on Wolves Nights or you like to you like to watch at home, that's okay. But we'd still like you to check out Falling Knife's Tap Room again, located in Northeast Minneapolis. That's Falling Knife Brewing Company. Let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's get checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. Recent studies show that men's testosterone levels are dropping substantially since the 1980s at about an average of 1% per year. If your father was 30 when you were born, your testosterone levels could be 30% lower than his are. Low testosterone can have all types of health effects on men. It can cause you to lose muscle mass in your body. It can affect your mood, your memory, and even your sex drive. Let's Get Checked is a worldwide leader in at-home testing kits and their male hormone tests let you easily test your testosterone levels. These results are reviewed by a clinician. Once your sample is in the lab, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within 2 to 5 days. Let's get checked labs are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com/dane and get 25% off your test using code DANE25. Or look for that link and promo code in the show notes of this episode. That's trylgc.com/slash Dane and get 25% off your test using code Dane25. A couple other things that have, have been, you know, have jumped up um, without Carl. Offensive rebounding has has improved. They've been getting to the free throw line more. Um, they've been making threes at a higher clip, actually. And then we know the volume's not there. They're about 33.7% with Carl from three up to 37%, which is above league average. Mm-hmm. Um, Mid-range, they've kind of been the same all season. They don't take a lot. It's mostly D'Lo and Ant from time to time, but they make them at, at a good clip there. And then rim, the rim's where they get paid. Like that, they were super high at the rim, and that is only increasing over time. That makes sense with, uh, you know, I think a, greater focus on Rudy right yep. I think Rudy's volume ha- has gone up in this time that's where he shoots from but also Ant has gotten to the rim more and Delo. I think that is yeah. a big undertone of why Delo's play has come up is that he it has improved is that he's now a threat at all three levels when for so much of his Timberwolves time it's been right that mid-range or a three-point shot and that's yeah. kind of it
3: And I think this is where maybe a little bit of the Kyle Anderson effect comes into play. Yep. Just the ability for D'Lo to not have as much pressure to create and play a little more off the ball, Um, just having that secondary ball handler out there with him. And, you know, Ant obviously does some of that too, but Kyle is maybe more willing to be that sort of player and embraces it and... Has a game where he gets twelve assists, uh, like they did against Utah. So, I think it's that's re- that's been really beneficial for for D'Lo is, I, and I noticed that at the start of this strong play for him is getting him going off the ball is almost as important, yep. if not more important than getting him going on the ball. Um, and that's they have to f- keep this balance up when Carl gets back is have somebody out there to take some of that playmaking and initiating pressure off of Delo, mm-hmm. because Kyle Anderson has filled that void right now um, so what happens when Carl comes back I don't know yeah I
4: mean simply put these last four or five games Delo's offensive boom it kind of reminds you of the preseason right like in the preseason when it was early Rudy pick and roll stuff like he's like man he's there's like those stats where it's like you know preseason minutes and short rotations and stuff like dude 80 percent of his shots are in the paint yeah. like when's the last time you saw that when he was in Minnesota so his ability, I mean, he says it too, he's a three-level scorer, right? And that third level is getting to the rim. Uh, It makes it easier to get a little more space on jump shots if your defender thinks you might actually take him to the basket. Sure. So I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you've seen his his numbers go up while he's also getting to the rim more, as well as this whole team getting to the rim more. Well, and Ant, right? We, we, we've, for so long, I
2: mean, last season, that was so much a, a dominant part of the narrative around him. It's like, okay, like, these threes are nice. Like, you're making them... You've taken a high volume of them. You're about league average from when you're right. shooting from threes, but there was always kind of that desire to have him get to the rim more. He has been doing it. Uh, we asked him about that at shooter on this morning.
3: What have you learned about just playing with Rudy and and maybe things that you learned about playing off him or for passing the ball that that maybe you didn't really know at the beginning of the season? Uh, no, nah, it's just fun, man. I love playing with him. Uh, you know, he's super cool. It's just fun being out there with him.
1: Oh uh, the great screens. Uh be wide open. So yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> is, that,
3: is that maybe why you're maybe a little more effective? Is, is some yeah, of the sure, yeah. He he he
1: definitely play
4: a big role in me being able to get to the rim one on one with the big for sure. I know this isn't uh exactly on the agenda, but we had talked about coming into this season about, you know, third year leap type stuff. And we're all we're looking at a sample size here, four or five games since Carl went out, but he's getting to the line six and a half times, which is up from five in November and like four and October, right? He's shooting 40% from three in December. He's averaging 23 points. I mean, you're just, you're starting to see a guy who is averaging like five and a half assists in December too. Like he's, he is showing you now he kind of can do it all. And it's just the thing for him is like, what do I want to do? Like, I know I can, I'm a 40% shooter from three, or do I want to get to the rim where I'm getting more calls? So I think that's a positive, right? Is you're starting to see he can do it all. It's not like he's just attacking because he's shooting 18% from 3 or, you know, by, right. he's chucking because he's not getting calls. It's kind of all coming together and that seems optimistic to me or uh, uh, positive.
3: The the sense I got watching Saturday's game and this is maybe just me interpreting things, but I sensed Aunt, uh especially in that third quarter he wanted to attack and he sensed oh yeah that he could make a big difference i didn't always feel that watching watching him attack at times last year where i don't think he thought that i don't man. think he thought that either but i i i got the sense that like in that third quarter that he was like give me the ball i'm just going i'm just going right to the basket i don't care i've I've got this like i i, I got that sense from him the other night and i i that's that's just me maybe in my intuition and in, in kind of reading what he was thinking thinking but i I'd i just echo that, though. that's just the feel i got watching that game the other night he 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 wanted to do it as opposed to he had to do it
2: and i think he's starting to understand that using rudy opens that up more yeah i, th- I mean a big reason why i think he would shy away from it mm-hmm. t- it was kind of like two reasons i felt like last year he would shy right away from rim shots was one and this is a positive one he makes like the first four or five Threes he takes. Right. And then and then there's less at the rim. But also, once he, if he in the first quarter like is driving to the rim, gets a shot block, or the the shot blocker really deters the shot, or he gets hit one time, maybe doesn't get the call. I feel like, anecdotally, at least in my mind, that would drop down his, you know, his the the frequency he would attack for the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. I think what's happening is he's getting some of those first ones, playing, you know, playing with Rudy, maybe getting a screen from Rudy. And if Ant in the first quarter attacks, it seems to transcend for the rest of the game. And I think you're getting cleaner attacks early on in the game that is kind of giving Ant um, some, some confidence to be able to do that bigger picture. But let's uh, let's move over to, to defense. We've already been going for like 20 minutes here. We don't want to make this one uh, too long. Again, what I said before was defensively, they were 14th um, in those 21 games that Carl has played in these five Uh, since they rank ninth and, uh, what is crazy to me as I was looking up these numbers is, okay, so I'm just going to read them off their first in turnovers generated, uh, defensively in these two weeks in in the whole league in, in the time that Carl has been out about shooting about average defensive rebounding, terrible fouling a ton. What does that sound like to you? That is, <laughs> that is the Timberwolves from last season. Timberwolves from last season is exactly that is exactly them, <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad <laughs> thing. It doesn't. It doesn't really uh, make sense. There's obviously some bad things tucked in there. You don't want to foul a ton and not be giving right. up defensive rebounds, but at least the generating turnovers has like really, really been back, best in the which league, which is
3: interesting team. because they're in more of a drop Mm -hmm. and we were told that the scramble and the high wall was the turnover generating (laughs) machine on defense. And now we're in more of a drop because Carl's not there and Rudy's Rudy's there and he plays drop. And now they're first in turnovers generated. Make it make sense, Dane. Make, I, no. it, make it make sense. So truly,
4: since Carl went out, they're last in the league and giving giving the ball away and first in the league and taking the ball away. That's Running a good way to fix your problem of giving the ball away is to just, I guess, go back and take it. But it's a pretty interesting. I mean, that's about as interesting of a, a statistic as you can get, right? Yeah. literally giving the ball up at the highest rate in the league and also taking it away at the highest rate. <laughs> we uh we asked uh Austin about generating those turnovers
2: and and kind of how uh, that fuels this team to be, you know, maybe successful offensively on the other other end. Here's Austin Rivers. You guys uh, over the last two weeks, I think I've been leading the league in turnovers generated. What is that change for you guys, maybe defensively and offensively when you are generating turnovers at a high level? Um
1: you know, it just gives us more opportunity just to, you know, obviously put the ball in the basket, like get out transition, use what we have, which is guys like Jaden and, you know, freak athletes that you can have running in transition. Um, you know, d who could shoot, you know, me and Kyle just really know how to play the game. You know, what I mean, so whoever's out there for that matter, um, Jalen and so just giving us more opportunities. We got to continue to try to force more turnovers. Uh, we have to be more physical on defense, but without fouling, though, so. Um, that's, that's, that's the job. At hand. Kyle, that the doing it without fouling part, right.
2: That that's what, that's what rivers brought up there is like, yeah, great. We are generating a lot of turnovers. We need that, but they are committing the fourth most fouls in, in that time too. So with all these things, it's like, we're trying to adjust the sliders, right. To, to
4: something yeah. that, that fits. Yeah. And I, the, the thing I took away from that, cause I've been hanging out with you guys all weekend is the same thing that. Ant kind of said, and then Finch said. They did, they do. Fouling is just an issue for this team. But I think to a man, they also think they might get a tough whistle, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, The way that that also
3: hasn't changed over the years, right?
4: The way that they emphasized, whether it be Finch, Ant, or Austin, how many free throws Damian Lillard took, they said 15 was like all knew it was 15. Yeah, they with a twinkle in their eye, right? So, but I mean, yeah, that's not to say that the officials are the reason this is all not going well, but. They do just have a propensity to foul people. And that's is that because it's a still young-ish team that's trying to learn how to be more physical? We're like, oh, I gotta exert my will on my opponent a little bit. But you don't I mean that's Jaden's fault all the time, right? He's just reaching, doing little things. But yeah, the following, I mean, Finch, it was cool, right? That game against the Blazers. Finch said pregame, you know, or Damian Lillard gets to the free throw line a lot. We we gotta be good about that. And then post-game is like, he got to the free throw line a lot. And it's like they didn't really address it. So yeah. that's a that's an adjustment if you're listening to this pod before the game that you'd like to see them make tonight against against wood it i mean it's a requirement against these teams
2: that have two guard slash wing scorers right yep. you can put Jaden on one of them right mm-hmm. that you need to have other guys who are able to not only slow them down but to, to turn them over from time to time and and not foul them when when you are guarding them they are i don't know if it's a I, think they would probably say it's a not getting respect from the refs sort of thing, but some of it is, is tactical, right? As great as Jaden is, there's some, you know, there's some tactics in there that he needs to probably iron out over the season, over his career to be someone who can play. Like I was thinking about with Jaden, like if they're in the playoffs, like think about how important he's going to be. And you start playing, you stop playing your bench as much. Yeah. You want to play your starters like 38 minutes, maybe. Can Jaden do that? you know, I, I mean how many times has he ever been able to even have gone that long without getting into right. you know some foul trouble there? so the 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 generating turnovers is is very encouraging. What needs to correspond with that? or hopefully those the fouling and turnovers don't go hand in hand, right? Can you keep the turnovers high? while dropping down the following. So I think that's ultimately the defensive question here.
3: Right, and, and yeah, maybe that's not a coincidence that, that one goes up and the other goes down, right? Uh,
0: it seems like it could, it could go hand in hand. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data,
3: the other night and just in general with first half against Portland, they give up i think it was 17 second chance points second half only five mm. they they can do this they can rebound yeah they can they can was <laughs> like they, they 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 can do it like they just have to want to do it and that's what topic 100%. are we talking about? Because that's Rebounding. applicable to everything. <laughs> Rebound, right? Rebounding, which is my biggest pet peeve with this team. 100%. They can do it. They just got to commit to it already and just focus on it. They it it, it hurt them at the most inopportune time because Lillard hit that three with like two and a half minutes left. They were da- they were down two. Simons misses in the lane, gets his own miss, kicks it out. Lillard hits hits the three. That was, basically uh, dude, it,
2: It's three. the it's the long rebounds. Uh, when the wolves have two bigs on the floor, yeah, that are just, I think, maddening. When you're yeah. when you're watching yeah. this team, it's like you. In a couple of these more recent games when the wolves have had both Nas and Rudy out there, mm-hmm. and other teams are not like accommodating for that size. They're not yep. like, oh, we need to play two bigs to do it, mm-hmm. and they haven't had to accommodate for it. Yep. they still get because the, they're not dominating on the glass. I mean, Rudy was impactful at the rim. Nas obviously can get to the rim in terms of like scoring, but they do when the wolves go big they do not have the typical advantages
3: of teams who go teams big who go across big, the league that it's bizarre re- they can really rebound yeah yeah 100 percent um and on the on the opposite end to kind of flip back to the offense really quick really it's what we were saying with three yeah. pointers i mean what's one way that the wolves get killed on defense they give up second chance threes to teams mm-hmm. because their transition defense has been so poor this year they have to focus on just getting back so that's maybe one way they don't get a lot of three-point attempts is because i haven't seen their offensive rebound rate i think you said it was actually up wasn't it uh since carl went out uh offensively 16, yeah 20th to 16 but it's still not like still not great mm-hmm. so not as good as you would expect
2: with a team who is going
3: on it. Let's get big, you know, like, right. Right. The, plan. Let's get big and, and, right. And so, because they just have to get back on defense so much, it, it makes it so much harder for them to generate those kind of threes, which mm-hmm. tend to be some of the highest percentage threes right. that you can, that you can generate.
2: I, I thought it was when I, when I pulled up these numbers too, I thought it was interesting that they are giving up, uh, that they've, They've given up a lot of threes this season, but they've given up fewer in Cat's absence. I guess that's probably somewhat intuitive, right, Kyle? Of like not having him needing. I mean, having two bigs that need to like scramble around right. to to get out to the perimeter. Um, but in in that, even though they are still giving up too many threes, and teams have been making them at like a thirty eight percent clip against them all season with Carl. Without Carl, um, they there there needs to be um better execution in in terms of being able to to get out to those three-point shooters like you're saying it can't be the knife to a gunfight sort of thing if you are not going to be a high three-point shooting team I think they need to be a little bit more perimeter conscious Rudy's got like Rudy's got got to kind of trust the idea that Rudy as well as it can be can take care of the rim yeah just a general like Boosting in your mind the idea of staying home like five percent. There was there that. was
3: that moment I turned to you. We were sitting on presto, and I think Jaden Simons was driving in the lane. Jaden helps from the corner off of Josh Hart. Rudy was there. Yep. uh This was in the second half. Yeah. Maybe the fourth quarter. Rudy or Jayden, go, why, did he Jayden, why, look, why did he help there? Why did he help? He just gave up a wide open corner three, and Rudy was there. Like in position. This is not to pick on Jaden. It was one play in the course of well, a, of a but, whole game. But it, but Jaden has played... Right. The,
2: the centers that Jaden has played with in his career yeah, are, have not been Rudy Gobert, right? Yeah, it it right, probably, right, right. you know, in previous seasons, if it was Nas or Carl or mm-hmm. whoever other big that was out there, those probably were situations where yeah. helping was in the game plan there. Yeah. And it's so much easier said than done to be like, this is the plan going into the game or into the season, how are we going to play? Mm-hmm. Once you're out on the floor, obviously we all know that you're playing more on instincts take and over, those right. sort of, mm-hmm. that is an instinct that mm-hmm. they need to like pull right. out. Cause they are, I mean, they have defended the rim. Great. It's even been better with cat mm-hmm. out, but it was good when, when cat was out there
3: just, more of a focus on the three point Yeah, stay home just a little bit more like like that that moment i if you're the wolves you take your chances with simon's trying to right. shoot over Gobert, whether from the mid-range or taking it to the rim yeah, that but, open quarter you know, you know, three think, yeah <laughs> giving josh hart and a wide open corner three seems yeah. like the worst possible outcome for that scenario they only
4: had 28 rebounds against the blazers and 80 percent of those came from three guys Wow. Just, just I mean, just to like, I and mean, that's one game, one number. But then you go back to that Jazz game, they had 44 rebounds. And I think eight of the 10 guys who played had at least three rebounds, right? So just little samples, but it's just a, well, that's what Chris is saying, right? right? Like is you it, can do it. That's yeah. what Chris's point is like, you can do it. It's just this goes back to like the guards. I mean, Jaden McDaniels can't play what 30, 20, 30 minutes and get zero rebounds. Mm-hmm. You're the second tallest guy on the court. Like you have to be able to get in there and mess it up a little bit and grab a couple of those rebounds. So again, that's one game. But to Chris's point, You've shown that when you gang rebound, Mm -hmm. you have a higher propensity to win those games. Uh, And in the games that they don't, that's where they kind of blow those leads or give up to Chris's point, all those second chance points. Anything else
2: stand out to you guys from this or like a random anecdote or two from from shoot around this morning?
3: Just nice being here with you guys in Portland. There we go. We, we like it. I, I like it when I'm traveling and other people are on the road. I feel less lonely. <laughs> That's a nice. No, favorite. it's been fun. We got to watch football <laughs> on, on, on Sunday, watching, watching football and yeah. you know, making 49 or Super Bowl plans, <laughs> uh, canceling them and then putting them back on again.
4: Yeah. And I just, I always, I always say again that Austin Rivers is a great, he just tells it like it is. Austin Rivers is going to be a fan. He's going to take your job. Like he's gonna be a fantastic podcaster. He has great stories. um, and if you do get to listen to this before the Blazers game, this will look terrible after the game if you listen to it. But a team that really wants to get back out there and play this team again, they know that they, you know, we talked about it Saturday night. Kind of seems like they let one slip, like a game that they had a big lead in the third, still had the lead in the fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of was clutch time came around and they just kind of let, let go of the ropes. So it'll be interesting to see tonight if they come out for a team that notoriously has the most roller coaster of energy. Uh, you know, like I would, as a betting man, I would say that they come out tonight motivated and on fire. But again, they could also lose by 25 and you, you'll have a great time listening to this. This is, this is just random, but like we always, I think, probably bring up that
2: Austin is kind of great at in these interview settings. So I don't feel like I play many of his clips. This has nothing to really do with what we're talking about. I just asked him about his first step, but I'm just going to play that because I think it's yeah, it
1: shows you who Austin is. <laughs>
2: Get to watch you more, you
1: kind of see it really Yeah. People job. sleep on the step, man. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, no I don't get mentioned for any, like, people talk about who has, like, quick steps. No one ever talks about the kid, man. <laughs> I, I got you. Uh, it's,
2: it looks like it's, it's a weapon because you can go both ways,
1: you yeah. right? don't really know. Like, nah. So the work for that? Yeah, th- the, I have, like, this little, like, shimmy I do, but I have a counter, like, because people think I want to go right all the time. So I've been, the whole summer, I've just been working on going left. And I just, yeah, I, I can get to the paint whenever I want. And at that point, a lot of times I'm not even in there like to score, I'm just trying to create movement for our team to get like Ant and Delo like easy ones. Cause those guys gotta work all the time. I always tell Ant, like you scoring 27, you know, like 18 ISOs, like, you know, we want, we, the greatest scores get like easy shots. So like just trying to help them out, create offense, create movement. So it's not really about me scoring just on this team. Like I'm comfortable not being, you know, the score. I just want to be aggressive and attack, make action happen try to have like positivity on the on the offensive he's great
2: <laughs> yeah, he is and i actually think he has a really good first step i think he's like struggling to even when he gets by guys to be able to go like finish uh at at the rim i don't think that's really where he's going with the first step but that's kind of what he said there yeah, too he's, right he's not really focused on scoring when
3: yeah he's doing that yeah. but it is,
2: it is a we, we kind of like once we turned off the mics and stuff we turned talked to him about it a little more i i think it's like I don't know. Watch watch tonight in the Blazers game or in the next game. You listen to, after listening to this podcast. Watch Austin Rivers and he has that little shimmy thing every single time he catches it on the perimeter, and and then think about if it for you of how you would be able to shimmy and turn a shimmy into going right or left. That's actually a really difficult like basketball thing to do without without traveling. Um, I'm not. This is none of us are saying Austin Rivers is is one of the best offensive players on this Wolves team, but I think. Um, I think he's going to be part of this rotation going forward. And and there's this idea of like defensive stopper. Well, Austin works really hard on defense. He's never going to be that like Jaden level of defensive player. Mm-hmm. So in all seriousness, to get like have some more value out of him, I think some of like the fan base is like, what is what is he really providing here? These guards are scoring on him. And offensively, he's he's not doing that much. This is the idea of like Austin's, it isn't three and D, but his, D and offense is to be a, just get into the middle and and keep that movement going. I think that's something uh, that that he can do, even if he's not going up and
4: dunking on people when when he takes them off the trip. And without Torian Prince and to the point about Jaden's fouling, when Jaden right. does get those two early yeah. fouls, who look at the bench right now. Who else yeah. does Finch trust to go in there and just kind of throw a guy on an island, you know, as like a cover corner and just be like, this is kind of your job. You just got to chase. Damien around every minute he's on the floor so uh, and I I I think my summation of of him is that he just is a really good vet uh you know his box score was terrible is 21 minutes and zero points but everything again as he told us yeah but everything (laughs) but he he's just he gets it right like he's Austin Rivers man his dad's Doc Rivers he played at Duke (laughs) he was drafted into the lottery like he should be like I'm fighting to you know still be a star in the league but he always answers things like everything I do is for ant, <laughs> or everything I do is for Jaden or Jalen. Everything I'm doing is to just help them make their lives easier, teach them how to be even more efficient scorers and not always in isolation. So I don't know. Just bias that, that so last like that.
2: that last part is the Pat bev energy, right? Yep, like yep, Austin, right, right. Austin and Pat are very different people, um, different different skill sets too, but it the, we we saw so much of Pat's antics on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think if you would talk to Chris Finch and and he was ascribing value to Pat Bev, the mm-hmm. thing he would point to is that mentorship or that getting the younger guys locked in. That's what, that's what Pat yeah. really brought to, to that team last year. And and that's an area where Austin can contribute. You know, I think Pat is elite at that. Um, but, but I think that that is something that's happening in the locker room. He is kind of that bet. He is the, the hold guys accountable dude. and, and when you're at least in the rotation, right? I was just it, say, it carries it, more it's, it's weight. It's a right? little.
3: It's it, he mentioned that earlier in the year. He's like, you know, what are they? Is anybody going to really listen to me if I'm just not playing or anything like that? But now that he is playing, maybe there's a little more cachet, and he is the guy that's out there guarding Damian Lillard, whereas yeah. nobody else aside from Jaden or sometimes Ant mm-hmm. is actually doing that.
2: The uh, there's not a not a fun note to to close this one on, but I I do want to. Uh, mention and acknowledge uh, what is a a big thing as we're recording this right now and like come the wolves fan base is is Rudy liking that um Elon Musk tweet? and Chris, maybe you can kind of mm-hmm. back me up here just so we can give people some like insight into why we haven't talked about it here is that we uh, and you have have you have contacted the team and, and want to talk to Rudy or whatever the that however the team is going to respond to this. This is a. A sort of an odd thing. It's a like. It's not necessarily um, a statement. I would just say, you know, personally, I find that um, I, I find it disappointed that this is this is a that this is something that we're we're talking about is you know Twitter likes and I mean I'm I'm disappointed in the what I perceive to be the agenda behind the tweet. But I just for you list those of you listening. I don't want you to think this is something that um, me or Chris or kyle are completely um ignoring there's just a little bit of a process of wanting to um let the organization and the player get some clarity uh, clarify
3: on that and you know i one of the things that i I am planning on doing or, or want to do in the next few weeks is the wolves pride night is coming up in early january um and as you guys know i've written a lot about what happened with with ant earlier in the season so one of my plans was to kind of just kind of revisit what some of the people i talked to thought about um just the organization and his response to that in advance of of pride night so i'm kind of going to be rolling i think this Mm -hmm. into some of that um just hearing from some of the trans fans that i that i spoke with uh, for that story um you know reaching back out to, to people and getting some of their thoughts and them sharing a little bit of their disappointments. And, and, you know, part of that is seeing how, how the team and, and Rudy may respond to that. And like I said, you know, we'll, we'll see if they have any comment on it. Um, and we'll go. And as, as and of we'll this moment, we'll as of this
2: there. moment, it's, uh, you know, it's yeah like noon here, whatever in, in Portland, there's, there's, I would assume something has happened by the time people are are, are listening to this or or shortly thereafter, um, but my biggest thing just for my listeners is my show. Like I don't, um, I don't want people to think I'm I'm completely ignoring it because I'm not. Uh, texted people, um, and that's just you know a little inside baseball. That's kind of some of the process as a journalist is is patience um, in in wanting to hear from the team, from the player, th- those sort of things, and. I'll admit I don't really know how to navigate something when it is not a direct statement from an individual when it is a like of a tweet um so I'm uh be patient with me I guess is what I'm saying that I'm gonna try and figure out the best way to do it I'm not going to uh, not trying to ignore it whether it's not here on the podcast or on Twitter or in writing the the world's be will be on this uh, you know to some extent and I'm I'm sorry this is something we need to be talking about still
3: you know like i said uh when we when i had a when you had me on for you know the ant stuff earlier in the season you know in my career um you know this stuff as it relates to sometimes lgbtq issues um you know and, and elon's joke about the pronouns is seemingly transphobic you know and i just said this stuff just keeps popping up You know, every so often in my career, I I just notice it, Mm -hmm. it it keeps popping up. And so, you know, we, society has made a lot of advancements and things like that when it comes to LGBTQ rights, but sports is one of the few places where you, you don't feel a hundred percent included. Yeah. And that's, that's where we're at. I think with, with this issue in general.
4: I am not a journalist, but I've been hanging out with you guys all weekend. And I just wanted my two senses is that I, and I'm not just saying this 'cause I'm in the room with you, but I was very much impressed by both of you. Because again, I know that like I only use Twitter to cover the wolves. I don't tweet out my favorite food or like what I'm doing on a Wednesday and stuff. Um, so people have access to you and they, they think, you know, this is what you should do. Like there is a process to this stuff. Journalism is a major. Chris has taught me so much about, what you have to do to get these stories and get these comments and stuff. You don't just get to show up today at motor center at 10 30 AM and go grab the seven foot two guy and be like, Hey, I want to talk. Like Mm -hmm. there's a process to this. And I thought you both kicked off that process in a really professional way today. And it's cool to kind of see, again, talk a little inside baseball. So, um, yeah, you guys, I I, I, just
2: want to know, um, what there seems like multiple charges in that tweet mm, from Elon and um i want to be able to ask rudy if and when or the organization to acknowledge it but like what what did you like about it (laughs) you know (laughs) did you like the what what many perceive to be uh a a tweet that is transphobic in nature or did you like the part that about covid fauci pandemic those sort of things
4: um that, that is that for me. That is that is the process, and I know Chris, you're working yeah, on that. And Chris is again, Chris Hine is an elite journalist, and he went through that process already this morning. So sometimes these things take a little time, you don't just get to go in professional sports or any other, you don't just get to go confront the person yeah. right away. So that process is ongoing. I really look forward to how what Chris gets to write about as Pride night comes in this next couple of weeks. That's a big moment for this team. Um, so yeah, more to come on that. Yeah, well, I.
2: Really enjoyed talking uh, with with both of you guys, Kyle. It's fun. We've been we've been out of no a one Dane wants to listen Kyle. to me for like six months. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take you to a food
4: cart, and then you guys can go home. No, bad. I,
2: I'm enjoying it. Chris and I, I speak on Chris's behalf. We've been yep. enjoying uh, being out here Absolutely. in Portland. Yep. Uh, great city. Uh, great to spend some time with you, Chris. Thanks for doing the pod as always. Um, every Monday, let's. Uh, so I'll take a little break and then go go cover this this uh, Blazers game. Thanks for doing it, guys. Thank you. Yep. Uh, the plan for me is that i will be back um with Britt robson on tuesday afternoon to uh to record a podcast that'll be more in uh response to the to the second players game whatever does happen there and we'll also i'm sure similarly to me chris and kyle talk a little bit about the growing sample of these no cap times. so again thank you to kyle Tige follow him on twitter at kyle Tige. Chris Hine at Christopher Hine on Twitter. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. I'll talk to you tomorrow with Britt. Until then,
1: peace out. Hope you like nobody else around.